Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 205 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host. He is Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way on the Twitters. Adnan, how are we doing tonight? I'm uh, doing well. Doing well. I'm in a different position tonight than I normally am. Yeah, the preseason uh, position, right? Yeah, just prepping for Friday because this position lets me see directly to my TV and you know we're gonna need that for the play-by-play on on friday yeah and the back support is important too when you're when you're broadcasting for three plus hours the back support is very important i guarantee you guys uh, if you're gonna ever consider doing that or like video game live streaming or whatever where you're you're sitting for a long period of time doing this the back support is uh is a big thing so I, i really you know i'm gonna have to get one of those really fancy like stream chairs eventually but for now, my just like executive chairs is is cutting is cutting it. But um, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, you're you're right. It's going to be a long broadcast. I'm actually going to move over to my chair in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, I just point my chair to the TV. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Just right in front. You know, get, get close to the action. Right. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see if the preseason game actually finishes because right now, for 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 those of you that are confused about what's going on, we're doing a live play by play. Wow, play by play of the preseason game week one week two week three all of them uh so friday uh, i'll announce when we're going live probably just a few minutes before i don't think we need to be like on for a super long time before the preseason game but um i think the broadcast is only listed as going from like 6 30 to like what what was it nine or 6 30 to i think it was i thought the game starts at six Maybe it's six. I think it was like six to nine. So it was three hours. There yeah. was something where it was listed like six thirty to nine. I was like, oh, two and a half hours. I don't know if that's enough time. But you're you're gonna make the people uh, miss the first quarter, Kevin. That's the most yeah. important one in preseason. Well, definitely check your local listings and check back to the Falcoholic, you know, YouTube channel because we'll have we'll be on probably like ten minutes before the game goes live. And, and this is uh this is six Eastern time, by the way. Okay, six. Yeah, Eastern, Eastern. Yeah, we we op- we operate in Eastern. Since both of us live on the East Coast and the team is in the East Coast. So it's well, all Eastern time. time zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the East Coast, Beast Coast, you know. So <laughs> Anyway, we are going to talk about Falcons training camp also tonight. Uh, we're going to get some of, some of those takes in. So uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, I promise there will be actual football discussion, not just programming updates. Um, before we get to it, want to thank uh, Joe Patrick, who tipped $25 uh, over the course of the last week. So I wanted to give him a big shout out, Joe. Thank you for your contribution to the training camp fund. Uh, it says, great to meet you. Hope to see you back sometime during the season. Excellent coverage from you and the entire Falcoholic team. Joe, you're welcome. We really appreciate that, guys. Um, yeah, we're not. I did run the numbers on training camp, and thanks to you guys' contributions, 
so far we're very close to getting everything covered. So that's great news. Um, I'll keep the the bar up there because honestly, that last like hundred bucks or whatever is probably gonna pretty much even it out. So you're welcome to continue contributing. I know I said we would have a show last week, but I was just too tired. So if you'd like to continue contributing, you're welcome to do so. You can do so here. Uh, you can use the Streamlabs link if you want to ask a question. It's streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. It's also in the show description. Uh, you can also do it directly on my Twitter. Uh, I have that linked with like my Venmo and stuff. Um, or you can support the show on Patreon if you want to sign up for that. Get involved with the Patron Fantasy Leagues, which officially opened up today. Uh, so we we're, we're filling those quick. So patrons, if you haven't joined one of those yet, make sure you check the discord or the Patreon page to get into those leagues. We're going to try to get those filled up and, and schedule the draft in the next week or two. So definitely get on that. There's still time to sign up. Obviously, if you want to, to join Patreon and, and be in those leagues, uh, you can do that. Just do it, do it like soon, like in the next week to make sure we can get a spot for you. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate everyone's support. Thanks guys so much for giving us an excellent training camp week. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I know Adnan was there for a few days with me. Adnan was there also a couple days uh, after I left, or maybe one day. I don't remember exactly how many days, but I know Adnan got some takes from later in the last uh, later in camp, and I had the the first couple days covered. So overall, I think we got a pretty good feel for how training camp is going and how the roster is looking going into preseason week one. Um, I did my like latest roster projection which is actually based on like real things we've seen for a change, which is obviously that's, that's a big thing. Um, not as many changes as I think maybe you would expect because, you know, I do a good job, you know, not to toot my own horn, but like, I, I think I predict things pretty well, but there were certainly some notable ones. Um, and I figured that's where we'd sort of start on uh, with the, the depth chart changes. And obviously the big one is at on the offensive line, right? Where we've already seen Elijah Wilkinson basically take over the starting left job, left guard job. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you think about that? We've ha- we did talk about it on some of the earlier shows, but now that it's more or less official, what do you think about Elijah Wilkinson? Obviously, we haven't seen him in a preseason game yet, but are you feeling better about it now that he's actually in there instead of Mayfield? Um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just because um, we saw what J.L. Mayfield had um, in last season and it wasn't very good. And we saw what um, we saw what he did in a in, uh, in pre and uh in training camp excuse me that was very rough i think that was one of your most viewed videos <laughs> one of yeah. them just getting blown by yeah, poor guy um yeah i know jalen mayfield like god love him he he was really given a bad bad deal last year and arthur smith confirmed it that he was not supposed to be the starting left guard to start the season it was supposed to be josh andrews josh andrews broke his arm um before the season started uh he arthur smith straight up confirmed that in, in uh in the press conference on saturday um but mayfield you know he, he wasn't really given guard uh guard reps in training camp he was just thrown out there to the wolves against fletcher cox in week one uh looked like a disaster to start the season other than that giants game that that was weird that he was like so good in that game um, but the issue is he didn't really improve that much throughout the season. And, you know, you give him the opportunity to to have an offseason under his belt and to come back and to compete for that starting job. And, you know, he was given his shot. Uh, I think he was the day one starter in training camp. And then after that, I guess 
the coaches saw enough to completely pull the plug on that because Wilkinson has started with the ones every single day since then. Mm -hmm. Gary's also been with the ones every single day, so I don't think that's much of a competition right now. Uh, unless McGarry just looks like a disaster in the preseason, then he'll he'll be the starting right tackle over Fetty. And then you have um, Hennessy and Dolman who have been rotating out back and forth every single day. That's that's the big competition to keep an eye out on. Um, but you can tell that the coaching staff doesn't really look at the other two positions as serious competition. Um, I I feel better about it being Wilkinson. He has some starting experience in the NFL. He's He's never been great. He's never been average, but you know he's better than what Mayfield was last year. But that's still that's still a position where I would love to bring in some veteran competition. Uh, I'd feel a lot better if Wilkinson beat out a veteran instead of beating out Mayfield, because you know if you beat out Mayfield, I don't think that really tells you as much. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. And like, I like Wilkinson. Like, I was I was thought he was going to make the roster in my preseason or in my like uh, pre-training camp projection as like one of the primary backups because he can play tackle and guard you know he has he hasn't ever played left guard in an NFL game as far as I know he's played left tackle he's played right tackling he's played right guard um so unlike Mayfield this is not a guy who's switching sides of the line and positions it's more like he's just switching to left guard that he hasn't played much of but he has played left tackle quite a bit so it's not like it's an alien proposition to him it's it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment but um, I do think his floor is probably a lot higher than Mayfield's. I don't know if he has a high ceiling at guard, but if he could just be like, if he could just be an average left guard, that would be a massive, a massive improvement from last year, which I think is just kind of shocking that that, that even that would be, I mean, it could be like a Chris Chester, like sort of infusion to the offensive line. Like nobody here was, is under the impression that Chris Chester was like this great guard for the Falcons but he was like average at worst and he was very consistent at at that and he was a good run blocker like that was his thing but um that's probably what we're hoping for basically from Wilkinson I I would take the last season of James Carpenter because Carpenter in his last season was not bad like he was solid yeah he was legitimately so there was there was a stigma against Carpenter from his first, like, you know, couple of years. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, you know, that was a bad signing overall. Him and Jamon Brown were both. But yeah. he was legit. Like, I would He was take, fine. Yeah. yeah, I would take that that production at left guard. Like, I, I was fine with letting him go for the cap space. But I wasn't fine with letting him go and replacing him with, you know, w- with Jalen Mayfield's production. <laughs> right. Right. And at the very least, if, you, if you're if you going to insert Mayfield, who, you know, in fairness, was a day two rookie, at least give him the reps that he needs in training camp and in preseason to, you know, really, really play that position. Like, I get it. You you wanted your plan was for Josh Andrews to uh, to be the starter. But that's still no excuse for not giving Josh Andrews his direct backup any snaps, you know, at left guard in training camp, because there was always, there was always an, uh, a chance that Andrews would get hurt. There's a chance that anyone could get hurt. And I I don't know. I I think they just, I think the coaching staff just completely misplayed their hand with, with Mayfield. Now that's not to give Mayfield an excuse for the entire season of struggles, but you know, it definitely put him, put him on the wrong foot right away. Yeah, like this this camp here was supposed to be him 
like, okay, Mayfield, try to see if you can win a starting job. Like, this was supposed to be his – this was supposed to be the training camp where it's, like, Mayfield's competing for a starting job. Like, in, and if the plan went according to play it, it's like, now you're getting a chance to compete. Maybe you're not ready yet. But I think Mayfield was a three-year project, probably, where they were hoping to have him ready to go by year three. And then he had to play all of year one. And it's going to be it's, – it's just really hard to come back from being that low – in terms of your play, like there's just not a lot of examples of it really ever turning around at a high level. It doesn't mean it's impossible. Certainly there are examples of players who had rough starts that rebounded, have good NFL careers. It's not impossible, but Mayfield's got, got a long road to, to take to get there. And I think, I think not forcing him to, to start again this year, just because of the sunk cost fallacy or because you're like, well, we drafted him and he played all last year. So he needs to get that real opportunity. Like, if he's not good enough in training camp, just just pull the plug. Like get someone else in here. Um, we don't we don't need to see Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter get hurt to to prove a point about Mayfield. Like to to make sure he gets his reps. Like he he can still practice. He's still got time. He's he's a third round rookie. Like he's got. Like if he's not doing anything next year at all, then he's probably or, or like in his fourth year of his rookie deal. Like then it's like okay, he's a bust. But like I don't think, I don't think it's it's. It's probably for the best, I guess I would say, is the better way to frame it, that he's not getting forced onto the field this year, hopefully. Uh, that's probably what they were going to try to do last year. They just sort of botched it. Um, but I, I would also not be opposed to getting another left guard. Like, if Wilkinson doesn't impress or looks bad in the preseason games, like week one and two, I think you go get Quentin Spain or you go get Eric Flowers, you know, pay pay Eric Flowers. Like, get just... Like, you've got the money to do it. Like, go out there, give Eric Flowers $8 million for a two- or three-year deal. Just get left guard, like, solidified so you don't have to worry about it next year. Because you're probably going to have to fix right guard, like right tackle next year long-term. And we'll talk about that here in a second. So, like, if if right if you have a big hole at left guard and right tackle, like, it's going to be tough to get big improvements at both of those spots. I think you could probably fill one of those holes pretty well either through the draft with a top pick or in free agency. But I think trying to get both done is going to be hard. Like it's always hard to plug multiple holes. And that's, and that's if centers figure it out. Yeah. 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 We're just not even talking about that. Yeah. Because Um, like at this time next year or during the, during the free agent period, there isn't, there is a chance, a non-zero chance that, the Falcons are having to plug three different holes. And I mean, I think that center is going to be fine. I think that you'll be able to get at least average play out of either Hennessy or Drew Dahlman. But yeah. there, you know, there lies that possibility and it's, it's a disastrous possibility that you'll have to spend resources to, to fill three different holes on the, along the offensive line. Yeah. I, I, it was always like it was unlikely that they were going to be able to fix all three spots this year. I think we knew that, but I think we were hoping to see them fix like two of the three. Um, and they didn't fix any. Yeah. Well, yeah, we didn't see really any. We haven't seen for sure that any are fixed at this point. Now, I think you and I are both like more confident in one of Dalman or Hennessy sort of working out. Um, at this point, it seems like Dalman has like a slight advantage. It doesn't seem to be a big one, but so far that seems to be the favorite. Um, but Hennessy's sort of right behind him, and it doesn't seem like we're going to we'll get a lot see. of clarity there. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Starts tomorrow. Yeah, I think okay. it'll be Dalman. I think it will be. I, I, I think that'll. I think whoever starts tomorrow, that that that's the guy who's going to be in the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I think it's it's pretty much I, I'd say it's pretty much dead even. I mean Dolman yeah, yeah. yeah, Dolman had those couple days where he um he started multiple days. On Saturday, Hennessy got the start again. And Dolman uh, he had a negative play. I still don't know if it was his fault or Desmond Ritter's fault, but with the second team, they did drop the ball on a snap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a negative, but then Dolman, you know, came back, started the next practice day, I think on, on Monday and, you know, they're still rotating back and forth, but I, I think an ideal scenario, and I don't think that this will, you know, come to fruition, but in, in a perfect world, both Dolman and Hennessy look really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of them look like starters and you can fill that left guard hole with, with the one who doesn't start at center. Right. Now, Hennessy had his struggles as as left guard in, in his rookie season, like to the point where he got benched away from it. Um, and we didn't see too much from Dolman, but Dolman didn't look great either uh, in his snaps last season. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see, both of those guys, both of those guys are really like skinny. Uh, and not really strong or, or not as strong as their counterparts physically right. mm-hmm. to the point where I don't think that they they would have that much success at, at left guard. But, you know, who knows? You know, it's it's possible. But, yeah, it's just when you're when you're playing the guard position, you need to be you need to be a bit more physically stronger then when you're playing tackle, like, of course, you still need to be, you know, strong uh, as a tackle. But I think I think it's more in the technique as a tackle because, you know, you're facing those those quicker pass rushers. Whereas when you're a guard, you're facing those big, beefy defensive tackles who, you know, who, who can move, who, who will be able to move you from, from the inside if you let them. So, I mean, we'll see. But, you know, we don't even know if, if we have center figured out as of right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't know. I, I think between one of those two will be okay. So that that's sort of where I'm at there. The, the bigger question mark is obviously left guard, and we've talked about that. Right tackle, we haven't seen any rotation there yet. I think what could be happening, rather than them just giving the position to McGarry and it's not a competition or whatever like some people are thinking, I do think McGarry's in the lead. But I think what they want to do is get center solidified first. And then they'll switch up right tackle. Then we'll see maybe some rotation at right tackle, maybe in the second preseason game, or maybe even in this preseason game, we'll see some more, some, some Effetti getting to play with the ones. I think it's smart um, to not switch around like three positions at the same time, get one spot figured out, then move on. Because like McGarry and Effetti, unlike... Wilkinson, who's playing left guard for the first time, and Dalman and Hennessy, who are both, you know, one to two year starters, like guys that don't have a lot of experience in the NFL yet. Both Jermaine Fetty and Caleb McGarry have a ton of starting experience at right tackle. They don't necessarily need the reps to get ready to play right tackle. So I think you can wait a little bit longer on that one um, and and work them in later. So that's sort of what I'm thinking. I'm not saying that, like, Fetty's 100% going to beat McGarry at this point or anything like that but I think we're gonna see that competition play out a little bit later um yeah Jason Gaines for now Aaron Aaron Freeman's safe on McGarry Island yes for now you know we'll see we'll see because I know a lot of you guys jumped to Fetty Island with us 
So you know, Fetty Island is we're we're in we're getting a little sweaty over here. Like I, I know that McGarry has been getting those those starts in camp, uh, and you know it's continuity. He he knows the offense, so it definitely makes sense. I I just I don't know. Fool me once with McGarry. <laughs> He never really like looks awful in preseason or anything like that in my experience. Like, I mean, maybe his rookie year it was pretty bad, but um, it's usually not until we get to some real games that we start to see the problems there. Yeah, it's like the fact that he regressed last year as yeah. as a pass blocker the way he did. Like his rookie season, he gave up the most sacks in the NFL, and I mean last year his PFF pass blocking grade I think was even lower slightly than his rookie season. Yeah, it, it just I, I think that's that's the point where I just threw my hands up with McGarry. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, all right, all right, I'm down. I'm down to see what what we have in a Fetty who has surrendered less sacks and way more snaps played in his career. I mean, way more snaps played. Uh, and who has kind of cleaned up the penalties the last couple of years. I know that yeah, was yeah. a big knock on him. Uh, if that he had a terrible rookie season, but he's really yeah, he back since then. He had, yeah. And I would, uh, we we talked about pass blocking versus run blocking in the past on the show. I would much rather have a good pass blocker versus a good run blocker at right tackle. We can't have both. We're not going to have both. Probably. Um, not. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I doubt. It. I would like to have both. You know, I'd like for <laughs> Gary to long, yeah. um, and to be- become this Pro Bowl level pass and run blocker. Um, but you know, I, I just don't think he will, like, he didn't prove me wrong last year and I, I don't think he will again this year. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I are both skeptical. Um, and like the team clearly isn't committed to McGarry long-term. They didn't pick up his option. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure they'd be happy if he balls out, uh, and like either they resign him or he walks for a big comp pick potentially, um, that we can always right that we can waste because we're probably gonna be signing a bunch of free agents anyway so it doesn't really matter but that I'm, one is interesting to monitor for sure I, i'm still i'm still not over that fourth round <laughs> like i'm still not over they it. had to get i don't think they were planning to sign Mariota. like i don't think they my honest opinion is they were not planning to have to sign marcus Mariota. and as soon as they traded matt ryan they knew like okay we're just gonna have to throw our comp picks away like we, we it's over now um and that you know the Mar- the Mariota signing threw a wrench into everything that made it that ruined the comp picks. Yeah, but uh, another um another fallout from the Deshaun Watson. Saga. Yep, just even more fallout there. <laughs> um, the only other offensive lineman I'll touch on is uh, Rick Leonard, who I think is the favorite to be swing tackle. So we'll see how much he plays in the preseason. I suspect he'll play a lot. Um, I was surprised a little bit to see him maybe more as the swing tackle as opposed to a Fetty, but it seems like a Fetty and McGarry are playing right tackle. Whereas Rick Leonard is the swing guy. So he's going to be the first man up at left tackle. McGarry, uh, Fetty will be the first man up at right tackle. And then you have drew Dahlman as your interior backup. Um, and it's also nice that Fetty can play guard too. So your three, your three like backup offensive linemen on game day would be a Fetty Leonard and Dahlman. And that would cover all your bases pretty well. So I, I think even though Leonard like is going to play left tackle, if he's going to play right tackle, I think that works out pretty well. Um, I think Leonard has looked pretty encouraging in camp. I mean, again, you're not going to really see too much till preseason, but as a, uh, a swing tackle, I mean, he's huge. Uh, he's like six, eight or something. Um, 
you know, he certainly fits the bill of what they like in terms of size. So, uh, interesting player. I'm interested to see how, how he plays in the preseason, but right now he seems to be more the favorite at swing tackle, whereas Afedi is maybe the right tackle backup. So maybe they're going to have more of a left right tackle backup directly, as opposed to having one guy sort of switch around, but we'll see how that goes. Um, Let's see. On offense, there were a, a whole lot of other shakeups. I mean, I know we had a question from Ray Moon with the $10. Thank you so much, Ray. Uh, he says, what chances do you guys think, uh, what are the chances you think that Felipe Franks looks better than Desmond Ritter in preseason? I say it's likely. Look, Ray, okay, we need to tamp down the, the Felipe Franks breaks just a little bit here. He no, looks better as a tight end. Exactly. He's going to be, I think he's going to look legitimately good as a tight end. Um, as a quarterback, I would temper those expectations. Uh, I think he might get a chance to play like a whole quarter uh, on Friday, which will be fun to watch, um, I think, I hope. But, like, I, I do think, and I wrote it in my prediction for our uh, preseason predictions post-roundtable that's going to be going up tomorrow or Friday, um, that I think Ritter will will give us an encouraging performance. I don't know that he's going to be, like, a great, it's going to be a great day for him or whatever, but Ritter's going to play a lot, like, a lot. I think he might play, like, two to three quarters worth, and there's not really any reason to not play him because he's not the starter. Um, so, really, they should give him as many reps as he can handle. Um, I think it's smart to do so. Uh, there's not really any other better way to practice than to practice against other NFL opponents that aren't your own team. There's only so much you can do practicing against yourself, you know. Um, so that's that's my thought there. Uh, do you have any takes on the on the quarterback battle? I mean, I, I don't think it's a surprise that Mariota is the sort of unquestioned starter and that Ritter's number two. But you know, do you think Franks will be a better quarterback uh, in the preseason? Oh, no. He better not be. <laughs> I would be concerned. Yeah. Either, yeah. I mean, if Franks is just so good, then that's one thing. But if, like, Ritter's bad, that would be bad. Like, uh, I'll be very concerned if, if Ritter looks worse than Felipe Franks in preseason, like, as a quarterback. Like, I think we will have some plays where Ritter throws the ball to Felipe Franks. <laughs> there you uh, go. We're going to see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, have that kind of connection. Um, well, I, uh, I'm i guessing. Uh, I don't know if we will, for a fact, see Felipe out there as a tight end just because if he gets hurt, then all of a sudden you're you're stuck with two quarterbacks. I'm, I'm still surprised that they haven't signed another quarterback just at the very least be a camp body and to, you know, be that emergency fourth quarter starter if, if something does happen to Felipe. I think that tells me that they're not planning on giving Felipe that much run as as a tight end, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's you know Mariota is definitely the starter. Mariota's looked much better in training camp. Yeah, which, he's been legitimately good, which is nice. Yeah, it, it's been nice, and I mean, I think it was to be expected given the fact that he is he is that veteran. He has played in Arthur Smith's system before. I mean, don't forget, Marcus Mariota is a former number two overall pick, a former Heisman winner. So anything, everything that Ritter did in college, like Mariota's done that, yeah. at, and he's done it better. And, you know, he's done it in against tougher competition. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the plan is definitely for Ritter to get an opportunity at some point this season. I think that's what the coaching staff wants. Unless this team is really making a run for uh, for the for the playoffs 
and Mariota is a big part of that. Like if this team is like five and five and Mariota is playing well, you're not taking the ball away from him. It's it's not fair yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah. But if this team is like two and six, two and seven, you know, three and seven, I I think that they'll they'll hand the reins to to Desmond Ritter just just to see what he has. Like maybe Ritter won't even be better than Mariota this year, but you have to at least see how he responds to legitimate, like regular season action, because you have to know what you have going into next year. It's there. There's an opportunity that this team could compete for a top five pick. So you have to know if Ritter is going to be the future or if you're, if you need to spend more draft capital on a quarterback next season, or, you know, maybe even, try to scour the trade market for one if Ritter isn't the guy. But uh, I think it would be it I I think it would be a failure if this team ends up winning four or five games total and we don't see Ritter at all this season. Yeah, we'll see Ritter if they're looking like that sort of finish is likely. I'm I'm confident of that. Um Yeah, but I will Ritter reiterate if this team is fighting for the playoffs, I don't think it will be. But if Mariota is really leading them in, in the playoff picture, then you're... Yeah, you... yeah. Then you throw out everything because that's just... Like, you don't mess with what's working. You, you don't you don't mess with what's working. So, um, totally agree there. Tight end, there wasn't, like, a lot, but we, I think it's worth mentioning Michael Pruitt, who apparently was already working with, like, the one-two starter group, like, as soon as he got signed. Um, and I, I do wonder who that signing was designed to push. Because I don't think it's Ferkser, I don't think it's Kyle Pitts, obviously, and I'm not sure that it's Felipe Franks because Felipe Franks has been way better than expected. I think it's probably uh, a shot across the bow to guys like Parker Hesse and John Fitzpatrick. I haven't seen Fitzpatrick playing much at all with the starting group, so I wonder if they're looking for someone a little more settled and maybe planning to put Fitzpatrick on the practice squad for a season. That's not unusual for a, a tight end in his first season, especially a late-round pick. I don't um, lose him either. Yeah, I don't think they would lose him. He's a blocking specialist. Um, you know, it could be Parker Hesse as well. Um, you know, I think that they like Parker Hesse. He's been playing more with the starting group. But, you know, I, I think it's more focused against one of those guys. And I, I to be honest, you know, Michael Pruitt is an upgrade over both of them as a blocker and as a receiver. Um, Michael Pruitt had three touchdowns last year. Titans fans were messaging me saying, like, he's actually really good. Like, I, we don't know why they didn't throw him the ball more. Um, because, he, like, we talked about it on the Q&A last night. Like, weird career arc. Guy that was, like, an elite receiving tight end in college came to the NFL and, like, completely changed to, like, a blocking tight end. But, like, hasn't really caught a lot of passes. So what do you think about Pruitt? Do you think he is already a factor on this depth chart, like, challenging for a roster spot? Uh Normally, I wouldn't say so, but just given the history, just given the fact that he comes from Tennessee, he is familiar with Arthur Smith, and the fact that they're already giving him, you know, reps with the first team, I think it tells me that he is going to be a legitimate factor because you wouldn't be giving him first team reps if he wasn't going to be a factor in the preseason. Um, I mean, I, I would say right now my gut reaction is that he will make the roster. Um, but I I don't know. Like he he was a late late camp ad. Maybe they just didn't like what they were seeing from the likes of uh, Fitzpatrick, John Rain, Parker Hesse. So you know Arthur Smith just 
called in a guy that he's familiar with. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely one of those, one of those battles that it's another, it's another battle that well, we'll need to keep track of. Yeah, Um, I, I agree. I, I think that he, he's the third tight end right now, like the tight end three, um, assuming he plays like we expect, like this, it's different than the other guys they signed so far, like in, in training camp, like this was a guy that started nine games last year, played in all 16 until he got hurt, played 50% of the snaps, roughly. I think it was like 43 overall, but he got hurt in the last game. So I think that changed the uh, the math a little bit. But, I mean, also a guy that I think is kind of underrated. I was surprised he wasn't signed by the team earlier, to be completely honest. Um, I think he had like a 70-something PFF grade as well. Um, and... Like that's that's a good start, yeah. Seventy one point five grade, uh, and like you might say, like, oh, well, he only had fourteen catches, so that, what is that grade really based on? But like, he played a lot of snaps last year. Like, I think he played like four hundred something snaps. So that a lot of that's blocking um, too. So I think this is a guy that is going to upgrade the tight end position, um, like, and, and actually be an impact. Yeah, he played four hundred and seventy nine offensive snaps, which was forty three percent of the offense. So this is a guy that's like not not even a backup. Like this is like a rotational player who's playing a lot, and um, he's a, he's a versatile blocker too. Like he's a guy that can do backfield stuff when called upon. He can do some like halfback, you know, fullback sort of rotational looking things. He he can play some interesting roles. Um, so I think uh, this is a sort of underrated signing that I really like. Uh, I think it does probably spell trouble for like either John Fitzpatrick or Parker Hesse in terms of making the the 53 man roster. I don't think either of those guys have too much to worry about. Like they'll, they'll probably be a shoe in for the squad at worst, but um, that's sort of where I'm at there with the tight end group. That's just the one thing that kind of has shaken things up now um, at receiver. It's, it, it's very interesting past the top two. Um, but the big thing from camp, I think that we both noticed is that Alameda Zacchaeus is kind of comfortably the third receiver now. Um, they seem to really prioritize him. He's working with the starters. He's, he's going in drills like first or near the top where the other starters are going. Um, so that was one thing that stood out to me. And then it's really like, who are the other guys that make it like Demir Bird, Auden Tate, Kadero Hodge, Geronimo Allison, all four of those guys seem to have their, their moments, um, where are you sort of leaning for those last two or possibly three? But I think we're all sort of thinking it's maybe only going to be two. Like, where are you sort of leaning before we see them in preseason action for which two you think are going to make it? Ooh, like that, I think that's going to be the most yeah. intense battle. And it, it normally is. That that wide receiver battle normally is really, really heated. I remember a few years ago when we were covering preseason, it was uh, – the year when um, I think it was Alameda Zacchaeus was battling it out with uh, Christian Bain and well, Christian Bale as the, uh, as the broadcast was called him and, and a few other undrafted guys. And, you know, Zacchaeus, I think ended up making the team, but I don't know. Like I I do think, like you said, London Edwards and Zacchaeus, I, I think are, are pretty much locks to make this, a roster as wide receivers uh it, it's so it's so difficult like it, yeah, it, it's hard it's legitimately so difficult to pinpoint just because there's a case for all of them mm-hmm. like Amir bird is 
the I guy. I think Tamir Burns probably the safest of all of them, yeah. in my opinion. But because he he brings something to your team that you know the other guys don't really have. I mean, you know, Zacchaeus also has speed, but you know, Bird is that guy who can really take the top off the defense, and he has a lot of a lot of experience, you know, in the NFL. Um, you know, Geronimo Allison has a lot of experience in the NFL. Kaderil Hodge is maybe your best special teams guy. And he got some some very good run with the uh, with the Browns last year. The I I would say if you know Auden Tate is you know the archetype that Arthur Smith loves in his wide receivers. You know, very tall uh, comes from that comes from Cincinnati where he you know didn't have that much of an opportunity, but you know it, he has that chance now in Atlanta. I, I would say if you really twisted my arm and forced me to pick, I would go with Bird and probably Auden Tate. <laughs> That's the two I had in my projection, too. Um, it's really hard, though. I think Bird is going to make it. I think Bird will be the fourth guy. But the fifth guy, completely up in the air. And it really depends. Like, If you want the best receiver, it's probably Tate. I think Tate has made the most plays and he gives you that backup to like a Drake London that that can be your ex receiver in terms of the size. And I think he could give you some really interesting red zone packages where you just go with your like all basketball lineup. You know, you have like Tate and Brian Edwards on the outside. You push uh, push London into the slot, and you have Pitts on the inside as well. You just like try to figure out how many tall guys the defense has uh, <laughs> basically when you get down there. Um, but again, and, and Aaron Freeman made a good point about this, is that a lot of times that fifth receiver has to play special teams, and Auden Tate doesn't, hasn't done that a lot. So then it would be Daryl Hodge is the right. favorite. But. Mm-hmm. And Hodge has been, like, fine as a receiver. He's a perfectly capable fifth guy, but he's not a plus as a receiver. He's sort of like a Tajay Sharp-level guy um, that's perfectly capable We'll yeah, catch it. We'll catch wide receiver one last year. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. So, like, as our wide receiver five, I'm much more comfortable with that. But um, Kaderil Hodge is a great special teamer, like one of the best gunners in the NFL. We know this team emphasizes special teams, so that could be the difference there. And then we have Allison, who's sort of coming on late. So, yeah, so it's like well, it, it all comes down to does Arthur Smith prefer, you know, that great special teams guy, or does he prefer someone who is legitimate? you know, possibly very good wide receiver depth in case, yeah. you know, there is an injury. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the special teams coach is in his ear saying, oh, you know, the, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it comes down to the, the coach at the end of the day. And, I mean, it's it's going to be a hell of a battle. I think wide receiver normally is the most exciting preseason battle. Um, you know, and – even more so this year than than before, just because there are so many guys that, you know, have that legitimate NFL experience. Like Bird, Allison, Tate, Hodge are all like veterans who have caught passes in in, in the NFL before. Yeah. Um. So we'll see where it goes. I'm excited to see what happens. Whoever doesn't make the roster, I think will definitely, the Falcons will definitely try to stash them on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a name we haven't even mentioned is Frank Darby, who was the sixth round right, right. last year. And, you know, he didn't really showcase himself enough in preseason and in training camp to make the 53 man roster. Um, he's back again this year with his opportunity, but I think he's, 
think he's a couple steps behind the pack. And unless he has a really, really strong preseason showing, I I think he'll be he'll be someone they that's probably gonna be competing for a practice squad spot, which isn't ideal for a sixth rounder. Yeah. Um, you know, and Fitzpatrick was also sixth rounder this year, so it's not ideal for back to back sixth round picks to not make the fifty three man roster. But you know, it's that's it that's happens. the competition. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. I I think we had a run where the Falcons draft picks made it pretty much every year for like a while. Um, and that commonly one of those late round guys, especially when you have extra picks like the Falcons do, like they don't necessarily make the roster. They may make the practice squad. But like right now, it's like I didn't, I didn't even have Frank Darby on my practice squad because there's been so many other of the undrafted and other guys that have impressed. Um more now i did hear that darby had maybe his best practice i think like yesterday or the day before so that's encouraging and i'm certainly pulling for him but he's got to do something big to get ahead now because it the the goodwill has run out like um being a sixth round pick or i think he was a sixth round pick uh it's not gonna buy you more than one season basically uh you're gonna have to prove prove it quickly as a sixth round pick, whereas like a third round pick, like a Jalen Mayfield, you know, they might give you a couple seasons to get it together first, but well, uh, or a first round pick like McGarry, you'll get, you'll be <laughs> you'll able get to four yeah. the first three seasons. And yeah, you, know. you got to prove yourself right. So um, before we get to the defense, not as many changes there. Um, I don't want to forget Corey's tip. Corey with the $5. Thank you so much. Corey he says this is dedicated to me having COVID for the third time. Corey. Oh no. What are you doing, man? Uh, Hope that you feel better, obviously. Uh, obviously hate to hear that. Uh, says the new, also dedicated to the new owner of the Broncos, not caring enough to learn how to say Goodell and Aiden Hutchinson's well, commitment to the chorus of Billy Jean. So. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a comment on both of those things. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I, Corey, I, I definitely hope you, you get better and you beat COVID again. Um, you know, well wishes, well wishes to you. Uh, but for one, with uh, with the new Broncos owner, I think he's the heir to Walmart. I think when you're worth what fifty nine billion dollars, it's like he's the richest owner in the NFL right now. He, he can literally buy and sell some owners, um, but yeah, you you can tell he obviously does not give a fuck about the sport of football. And you know, it, it's very, it's very, it was very funny. That it's like, all right, he he didn't even like care to like learn Goodell's name. That's yeah, I, I, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that you can just like do as a billionaire. Yeah, it, and, it's pretty funny. Yep. And I mean, as like a a massive bill. It, this isn't just like, oh, he has like two billion dollars. Like this dude has like money, money. Yeah, um, no, like monopoly money, even. Yeah, and then, <laughs> uh, and then like Aiden Hutchinson. That was my favorite video of the day. Yeah. Like him sing like that that was absolutely electric and, and yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, that line's like that line's locker room or that was like their video room, excuse me. But that was absolutely electric. The way that everyone just joined in on the chorus, I, I loved. And I mean Aiden Hutchinson was you know, he was working it. Like, you know, he was he had the dance moves, he was like completely all into it. It, it was just you know, it was a it was a hell of a video. I I haven't really seen any of Hard Knocks yet, but uh, I mean, it, it looks like it's been entertaining from yeah the videos I've seen on Twitter. Yeah, I, I I'm definitely more interested than I would have been. So it's uh it's interesting. It's exciting stuff. Um, it was a good pick with with Dan Campbell. Like you yeah know, yeah he fits what they're doing for sure. 
Um, all right. On defense, there wasn't really any major shakeups. Um, the biggest changes are probably going to come at like interior defensive line where we lost, uh, we lost Vincent Taylor. Obviously, Eddie Goldman retired right before camp. And then we also had Bryce Rogers get put on IR. Uh, so we were down three guys. Uh, Taylor was almost certainly going to make the roster. Uh, Goldman certainly would have. And, you know, Rogers was someone who had flashed a little bit. Maybe he was more of a practice squad guy. But now it's looking like without another veteran addition, like there's actually a legitimate shot for at least one of these sort of UDFA futures contracts type guys to get a shot here. Um, I'm interested if you have a favorite right now, like Derek Tangelo is really popular for a lot of people. Timmy Horn, the nose tackle. If the Falcons keep two nose tackles, it could that could be the direction they go. I know um, Darian Daniels had like a pass, pass deflection. Um, they just signed a new guy. Do you, who, Where are you sort of feeling it out? Because we haven't seen these guys in a live game yet, so it's really hard to say like with certainty. But do you have a an early preference for who might have a shot at that fifth spot? Um, well, we know that right now Anthony Rush is, is a starter at nose tackle. Mm-hmm, On mm-hmm. Saturday, he he got a full run next to Grady Jarrett. Like, whenever Grady Jarrett was out, out there, Anthony Rush was out there, and he was not with the second team at all. So that friend of the show, Anthony Rush. Yes, friend um, of the show. Yeah, I think his stock got boosted after he came on. I'm kidding. Big time. Yeah, they had to start him after that. Yeah, Um. Uh, you know, the name that you mentioned, absolutely. An- another name was uh, Jalen Dalton. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. He's looked, he's looked, he's looked pretty good in camp. Um, he, you know, I think he's most known in camp uh, for the fireworks he set off during the first Saturday. He got kicked <laughs> out for fighting. Uh, he, he fought Jermaine Effetti. Um, and yeah, uh, but you know, he, he looked, he's looked pretty good. Other than that, it's, this is just another one of those things, just like wide receiver. Until you really see them in the preseason, I don't think, I don't think you can make a legitimate projection. Uh, I'd probably go Dalton as my favorite right now, but you know that's take that with a grain of salt. Like right. we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens what happens tomorrow, mm-hmm. or not tomorrow on Friday. Tomorrow's Thursday. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, we're going to get a much better look at the trenches, I think, after this preseason game. Like, we'll have a better idea there. Like, Edge is pretty straightforward. They're going to keep Lorenzo Carter, Ebicati, Ade Ogundiji, and D'Angelo Malone. Like, that's the four guys they're going to keep there. Maybe they keep an extra guy, but that one's pretty straightforward. Uh, same thing at linebacker. Like, Rayshon Evans, Michael Walker are the starters. Nick Kwiatkowski, Troy Anderson are the backups. And Deion Jones is hanging around. We'll see how long that lasts. Mm. If, if Deion Jones gets traded or cut or whatever... You know, then I think there's some intrigue with like, is it going to be Etheridge? Is it going to be Landman? Um, both of those guys, I think, have have sort of traded blows in camp so far. I don't. You, you mentioned like the starters right now look uh, look like they're going to be Walker and Evans. Uh, they're they're getting that run. Can you really bring back Jones and just have, immediately insert him as a starter over Michael? No, no he's not going to start. He'll be a sub package guy, if anything. But like, yeah, like Walker has, you know, he Walker has looked good in his in his time in the NFL so far. His first couple seasons, he hasn't really gotten that much run. Uh, he's definitely he was definitely a PFF darling in his uh in his rookie season. Um, 
last year his signature play I think was I think it was a pick six against was it Carolina? Yep, I think so. And I think that was like his only snap of the game or something like insane like that. He had like three snaps up to that point. Um, I I I don't I don't think I don't think you can bring Deion Jones back and just like have him start over Walker. Yeah. Walker looked good. Um, he, he's looked he's looked solid in training camp. And uh, for one, I don't think it would be fair to Michael Walker. Um, and how, like, how would you be able to justify that, explaining that to him? No, um, with Jones, yeah, we'll see with Jones. Like, I don't think he will start when he comes back. We'll see if that affects his play, um, if that affects his effort. Normally, normally I wouldn't question somebody's effort level, but Deion Jones just has had a history of kind of, you know, quitting in the middle of games the last couple of years. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it, like it sounds bad to say, but that—that's clearly what what like happened the last couple of seasons, and that—that's the reason we're even having some of these conversations about him. Um, and I remember Dean Pease's press conference during the first Saturday of training camp. Uh, he pretty much went out there and said, I, "I, you know, I'm not the salary cap guy. I, I don't care how much anyone is making." And I think that are the best players will play. I think that was a reference to Jones because among active players, he's he's the biggest cap. He's, the biggest, yeah. he's a ten million dollar cap hit. The only person who's a bigger cap hit for the Falcons this year is Matt Ryan's dead cap hit of over forty million dollars. Now, fun fact: the third biggest cap hit is Julio Jones's fifteen million dollars. Uh, his dead cap hit. So our three biggest cap hits this year are Matt Ryan, Deion Jones, and Julio Jones. And none um, of them might play for us. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there's yeah. a non-zero chance that we don't see any of them play in a single game this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the linebackers. That's yeah. just my. That's just my tangent. My rant. No. Yeah, it's very like, fair. You know, some, this, look on not with, with you the have cap. To Michael Walker. Yeah, we we have to see. With the cap, sometimes you have to run before you can walk. Okay, so <laughs> just get them out of here. <laughs> you got to run them out. <laughs> you got to run that cap out uh, and then reset, which is what they're doing. I'm glad they're committing to it instead of the Panthers, who are just refusing to admit what they are uh, and where they are, and just keep. And yeah. the Saints, you know, same thing. So yeah, the Saints, like, and we, I think we had this fear, like, from the beginning of, oh, will we do this like the Saints have done it? And you know, it's been the opposite. Like yeah. Terry Font, no, clearly. Terry Fontenot was not the reason the Saints have kept sticking <laughs> that can down the road. Like yeah. I think we could safely say that right now. Oh yeah. yeah. Because you know, I feel like secretly, and I can't really speak to this. This is my speculation. I think secretly Terry Fontenot hated that strategy in New Orleans. <laughs> because as soon as he came to Atlanta, like he it, it's all been like very frugal, like one year non commitment yeah. Yeah, yeah. signings, and it's just been a huge effort to clear the books. Um, I think it's just a full-on Mickey Loomis thing over in New Orleans where he's just like, like yeah. yeah, he's just thinking, oh, yeah, I can just keep getting away with this. And we saw some negative effects this year in that, you know, they had to let go of Teron Armstead, who was a pro bowler, a former all-pro. And, you know, Saints fans will talk about how, you know, they don't care about giving up Teron Armstead. You know, he was injured. I, I don't give a shit what you say. Like, you just gave up your all-pro left tackle. Like yeah, they lost Marcus Williams too. I mean, they did bring in Honey yeah. Badger, but um, 
Yeah, they lost Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams Williams was maybe the best free safety in football last year. So yeah, he was Uh, a very good young safety. It's like there the negative effects have kind of started, you know, here. And they started a little bit last offseason, too, because COVID contracted everything so much uh, with the books. But, yeah, it's like it's funny seeing Saints fans always do this victory lap about, oh, yeah, we're like getting away with like with this cap stuff. But I mean, not no, not really. Like you're not really getting away with it at this point. Yeah, I mean, well, it would have helped if they didn't pay Taysom Hill like thirty million dollars a year or whatever it is. So, I mean, that would uh, that would help things if they hadn't made that mistake. But um, there's no room for error when you're that when you're when you're kicking the can like they are. Like if you if you get a bad deal in there or two, um, you know, you're really in trouble. Um, so they're they're really treading the line there, and they their depth has been really wiped out too. Like a lot of their really good interior defensive linemen, they had to let walk. You know, they had to let Sheldon Rankins walk. They had to let some of these other guys walk. So, like, they're they're thinner, a lot thinner than they used to be. And that doesn't necessarily show itself unless you have injuries. And no one's hoping for injuries here. But they tend to happen during a year. So, we'll see how well they can weather that with their with their reduced depth. So, um, Corner's another one that shook out pretty much like I expected it to. Um, but it's worth mentioning, like, Mike Ford has gotten a lot of work with the starters. Uh, they seem to be working Isaiah Oliver back slowly. I don't really think Mike Ford's like a threat to Oliver's starting job, but I do think they're giving him a lot of run in the slot to get him ready to be the primary backup there. Um, and then we're seeing Darren Hall more as the outside backup. And then D. Alford, the CFL corner, like he did get you know mossed by Drake London, but so did Casey Hayward. <laughs> so, you know, it's not necessarily D. Alford's fault. Um, I think D. Alford's been good, like definitely good enough for a sixth corner. Um, so I think he's he's intriguing as a as a developmental guy, as a guy that can maybe offer you something uh, as a depth cornerback, maybe more um, eventually. So I think that corner group is is good. I, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with with that six. Like that might be the best overall group on the on the roster. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean I think the secondary overall is the best part of this defense. It may even be the best part of this team overall. Actually, I yeah, I think so. I think it is like definitely yeah. the best part of this team overall. Um, you know, maybe if Calvin Ridley was still w- w- wasn't suspended that this year, then maybe <laughs> that would be know, funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know I, I'm very very excited to see what we have in the secondary. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if if we uh, if, if if the Casey Hayward signing was planned because or if that was like you know one of those things where you were expecting to get Deshaun Watson so you you brought in Casey Hayward but uh, this is a guy that was that has been you know a very very high level cornerback in the NFL previously he um, he's had some injury injury troubles but you know with the chargers casey hayward was just you know he was he was a freak out there like he was very very good um and you know hopefully he can stay healthy i think i think he's he's legitimately one of the best one of the best number two corners in the in the nfl um and you know we already know how good uh, AJ Terrell is. I think AJ Terrell is one of the five best cover corners in the league. The stats certainly back that up. Um, 
and yeah, I, I think the cornerback group is going to be very, very strong, and so is the safety group. And I, I know you'll get to the safeties now. Yeah, yeah, the safety group. Again, like, I think it played out like we were hoping. I don't know what you were expecting going in. I think we were hoping that Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins oh, would sort of yeah, take absolutely. control. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we were expecting that bo- that it would line up as nicely as it did, but it seems like they both hit the ground running. They've both been really good. Richie Grant has maybe been like the biggest pleasant surprise of any player in camp, other than maybe Marcus Mariota, you know, considering maybe what people thought about him. On defense, certainly I think Grant is like the biggest riser of everyone. Like he legitimately looks like, oh, this is like a, a really good safety. Like the fact that he can match up with Kyle Pitts with any level of success at all is a really, really good sign because Kyle Pitts is almost impossible to cover. So, um, you know, maybe maybe that slot corner experience, Richie Grant was not an effective slot corner, but look, getting having to play that position, maybe that's going to help him match up against tight ends and running backs in man when he has to. Um, and, you know, I think his aggressiveness and his ball hawking are, are going to be really plus traits back there. I think that's what they were really missing last year with that Harmon-Harris pairing is that neither one of those guys were really ball hawks. Like, they weren't picking the ball off at all. And I think Hawkins and Grant are both guys that these are these are players that have a big history of, of getting their hands on the football. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, like, I think, I mean, I don't think it's, it's a bold prediction to predict, but I think Jalen Hawkins will lead the team in picks this year. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think he will have like five or six. Yeah, like he's definitely someone that has those instincts. Like he... He he kind of reminds me a little bit of Demonte Casey for for the Falcons a few years ago, and remember Casey, I think led the league in picks one year. I think he had eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, seven or eight. I think that one season. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like Jalen Hawkins, I think has developed very very well. Like he was, I don't know if he was technically a breakout. If he technically broke out last year. But if he didn't, then, you know, he's certainly my pick for breakout candidate this season. Um, Richie Grant, we all know about, you know, we all, we all know the story there. It was a disappointing first season for him. Didn't really get as much um, as much playing time as we would have hoped. And part of that was because he didn't really know the entire playbook. Um, he, like, he's looked really good in camp. Like if you're not, if you haven't tracked and followed along with training camp, I think he'll be someone that's certainly going to surprise you in a very good way. Um, But Richie Grant's another guy where in college he was like, he was forcing a lot of turnovers. Like he was, he was someone that always had his nose around the ball and having two safeties that are so proficient at turning the other team over is a really, really it's a really great benefit yeah. and it's something that every single team strives to have. And I think that, you know, I think this time next year we'll be talking about Hawkins and Grant as one of the best young safety tandems in the NFL. I sure hope so. Cause that would, that would be huge for the secondary. And I think that style where they're both a little bit more aggressive, both a little bit more willing to take risks, that style works better. If you've got elite cover guys in front of them, which I think the Falcons have like they've got AJ Terrell one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL they've got Casey Hayward who was definitely a quality cornerback one last year uh now only needs to be a cornerback two in Atlanta and I think you could say he might be one of the best cornerback twos in the NFL clearly uh considering how well he handled himself as the the top guy for almost his entire career and then I think Isaiah Oliver if he's healthy he looked super encouraging last year as a slot guy 
and we've got and the depth you know i think darren hall and mike ford are untested but look i mean that that's about as well as you can do for your fourth and fifth corners like you're, you're if you're having like just starters on starters back there in your in your cornerback depth chart uh you're either really lucky or you're spending way too much money on the position so um but at safety i i and the the backups behind grant hawkins too like to have eric harris and dean marlowe two veteran starters just in the wings if they need them like i think that's great to have like if if grant or hawkins ever had to come out for a series or if they needed to miss a game or two for whatever reason like you can have harris or marlowe step in and know that like oh this is not going to cause a huge problem like the, the upside isn't there necessarily but um, i'm it's nice fine with yeah i'm completely fine with uh harris being you know a nice veteran backup. I, I'm not as fine with him being like your starting safety. Yeah, yeah. Like he was last year. But, you know, as as a backup, like, I'm sign me up for that. And, yeah, he is currently listed as the backup free safety behind Jalen Hawkins. And I, I like that. I like Arthur Smith's style. And I, I, I think we talked about it before. If you're in a competition, you kind of know you're in a competition. Like... Yeah, he's not he's not gonna go out there and just say, Oh yeah, like everything's a competition when it's not. I I think that that makes his like that makes his word like mean something, makes right. it more valuable and he says, Yeah, like center is a competition. Like um you know, obviously right guard isn't a competition. I think he's he's sending that yeah, message. Yeah. That, that Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins are the safeties. Like, they're not in a competition with Eric Harris. They're not in competition with Dean Marlowe. Like, you know, you two are the starters. Go out there, run with the ones, and, you know, get ready to start the season. Whereas, I think I remember with Dan Quinn, and I mentioned it before, there's positive pros and cons to both approaches. But with Dan Quinn, it was like, all right, everything's a competition. Like, no, it's not. What We know that everything is a competition. Yeah, exactly. Like, and Smith was like, look, left tackle and right guard, they're not a competition. Like, tight end, like, Kyle Pitts, not, his job is not in jeopardy. Like, you know, even even Marcus Mar- Mariota, they were pretty quick to say, like, this isn't really a, a serious competition. Like, Mariota's a starter. Um, so I, I think that's fine. But, like, be honest about the spots where there is competition, and it's almost every other spot. And, and I think fans will take it seriously, and so will the players. Like, you don't need to fluff it up with saying like every every spot's up for grabs when it's not like it's normal for some spots to be like settled (laughs) like it's a good thing to have some of your roster settled going into training camp it's not a bad thing so um the only other thing we'll touch on real quick is punter because there is technically a punter battle we have veteran bradley pinion this is for evan by the way shout out to evan birchfield we got to touch on the punter battle uh bradley pinion the veteran seems to be the favorite based on arthur smith's comments but we also have udfa seth vernon uh these are both like huge punters i think like pinions like six five and vernon's like six four both like 225 punters um so like that's always cool it's interesting to see those big punters but um do you have any takes on the punter battle do you think it's sort of pinions job to lose or you know does vernon have a real shot what do you think uh i think that they want to go with the veteran like uh, i think this is i think this is pinions job to lose at this point he was very good in tampa um and yeah i i think they just at this point they they would prefer the veteran punter yeah i agree so i I think that's and we also you know noted that um pinion's like one of the best kickoff specialists in terms of like actual kickoffs not onside kicks um 
in the NFL, whereas Koo is pretty mediocre to below average, honestly, on actual kickoffs. Koo's an amazing onside kicker, and he's still going to do that if they ever need it. But kickoffs, he's been mediocre. So to have Pinion be able to handle that, Koo doesn't need to worry about it anymore. Then you have an elite kickoff game and punting and very good punting game and elite kicking game. Now all three phases of your kicking game are, are, are upgraded by making Pinion. And I, I don't know Seth Vernon's kickoff ability. I mean, I know he did it in college, certainly, but, um, you know, we'll have to see. I, I think there's a, a chance that Vernon does stick around on the squad because the Falcons kept a, a kicker or a punter on the squad for much of last season as like an emergency sort of insurance guy. Um, so Vernon could make it there. Um, but I think if Pinion plays really well, he's probably just going to get an extension long-term next year. Cause he's only like 27 or 28. I think he's the same age as Koo. So that could be a potential long-term duo a la Matt Bryan and Matt Bosher, uh, in our wildest dreams. So, um, yeah, guys, I think that's all the main battles we're going to be watching. Um, obviously we didn't touch on running back a lot, uh, mostly because it's, I think it's sort of obvious. Um, like Patterson is the number one. He's probably not going to play a lot, but you know, how do they divvy up snaps between like Algier and Damian Williams and Quadrilson and all those guys? So there will, there will definitely be some intrigue there. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Algier just get like a massive number of carries just so we could get a, a closer look at what he can do. Um, but uh, that's the only other one I think we didn't really touch on. The other ones, I think, are all pretty straightforward. Um, but, yeah, uh, we appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, we're going to be back on Friday. Uh, just a few. We'll be back. We'll be live maybe like 10, 15 minutes before the preseason game starts. But we'll be providing live, full play-by-play coverage of the Falcons' first preseason game against the Lions. Uh, it's going to be better than what's on your television. I guarantee it. Uh, because, look, no offense to the TV announcers, but they're not spending their time learning about the Falcons' third and fourth string players, uh, and those are the guys that are going to be playing probably more than half the game. No one else knows anything about these players except us, okay? Like, it's just the way it is. Uh, so <laughs> I like to think we do a pretty good play-by-play, too. Uh, you know, I, I think we've gotten better at it over the years. We've gotten a little sharper. Uh, it's fun. We enjoy it, so be sure to come back and, and join us for that. Uh, also, like and subscribe. Those metrics really help us out. Uh, really appreciate that. Leave a comment after the show is over. Uh, those two, two appease the algorithm gods. Thank you for that. Uh, if you'd like to contribute to the training camp fund, the link is still in the show description. You can do it off air for those of you watching the podcast works just fine. Uh, it's streamlabs.com slash the slash tip. We will read the, read anything you write on the next show. Uh, you can also do it through my Twitter, uh, Falcoholic Kevin. You can do Venmo if you prefer Venmo, if that's easier for you. Uh, that works just fine as well. Thank you guys for that. We really appreciate that support. And then uh, one of the last calls you'll have to get in on the patron fantasy leagues. Uh, make sure you're signed up for the Patreon if you want to join the fantasy leagues within like the next week and a half or so. Like you want to be signed up by the end of the second preseason game because that's when we're going to finalize the draft time um, and start the drafts. So uh, you've got a little bit more time, but if you're serious about that, I would get in as, as soon as possible to, to help us out. So um other than that, I think that pretty much covers it. Adnan Ikic is my co-host. He's at Say Which Way on the Twitters. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Um, no, I said it last night. No, uh, no, not really. I just, <laughs> you know, I, I will plug the site. Um, you know, your one-stop shop for all of your Falcons' needs and desires. Um, I mean, check out my Falcons Day Nine training camp recap from Saturday if you haven't already. But you know, I think that at this point, that's 
that, that that's a little dated considering the fact that we had like two or three days you know since then two or three practices since then <laughs> um but yeah if you if you want to see you know everything that i i saw and went uh, on saturday then definitely check that out but yeah um check us out on friday and you know moving forward throughout the rest of the preseason and into the regular season you know the falcoholic has literally everything that you could want uh you know as a, as a falcons fan yeah everything you need guys we're gonna have lots of tremendous content coming out there throughout the preseason uh and that's that's your one-stop shop as Adnan said so definitely check that out uh this week next week every week going into the season during the season you know we'll have we'll have all the content lined up for you uh we're just getting started over over there at the site so we really appreciate you guys coming in hanging out spending your wednesday night with us uh until friday guys for myself i'm kevin i at foul call kevin and for adnan ikich at say which way thank you guys for tuning in we will see you on friday for the live play-by-play until then guys have a great night